Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Dr. Jeremy Weiss here, host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. I'm here with Justin Brown with Big Marker, but before I formally introduce Justin, I always like to mention a couple of past guests, Justin, you know, uh, there's a, so many great episodes, uh, some of the noteworthy ones, David Allen of Getting Things Done, we had on Michael Gerber of The E-Myth and many, many more and other top COOs across the country and world. So check it out. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. And if you've had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and maybe the 10th time you spent explaining it, well, guess what? There's a better way. There is a solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. And not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but when I was talking to one of the owners, Owen, he told me, you know, actually first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. I'm like, that's great. We should use that when I read this. So we did. So use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time. So you can focus on growing your team, empowering them to do their best work. There is a free 14-day trial. No credit card is required. You can go to sweetprocess.com. It's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. And I'm excited. And I was talking to Justin Brown, the COO and head of product at Big Marker before we hit record. And I was looking back and I've been communicating with their company and founders since 2012. They've been around in the virtual space. This is in dog years. Justin, this is like 102 or something. So back before it was cool. Back before it was cool. But their category leading virtual and hybrid events platform, which is obviously with everything that's happening in the world, everyone should be using this, something like this. So it's earned the number one ranking customer satisfaction on G2. And for the past over 12 years, Justin has partnered with the world's most innovative companies, Google, Samsung, Nike, the Wall Street Journal, and they create world-class digital experiences. So along the way, he's led a team that has grown big marker from small startup to a global company. And it's worked with more than half of the Fortune 500 companies. Justin, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And you know, we're going to discuss today uh, a little bit about how do you deal with growth and the operations behind growing and what do you prioritize? But before we get to that, just talk a little about Big Marker and what you do. Sure. Thank you. So, yep, as you mentioned, Big Marker is a virtual and hybrid event platform. We really started, you know, over 10 years ago now as a consumer-based live video platform on the web. So we were really pioneering that industry. And the original notion came from the fact that there was a gap in the marketplace. We were using tools like GoToMeeting and Skype and things like that. Oh, uh, back in that day, I was like to get someone on a Skype. That's what I was always using, Skype video. And they're like, what's Skype? I have to sign up for Skype. It was just kind of a pain for people sometimes. 
Yeah. And, and, but it, it, you know, it was, it was really good for connecting with people while they were traveling internationally. It was really good for one-on-one calls. And then in, in more of a business setting, you know, we were using the meeting tools for, for conferences, you know, and, and, and meetings at work, but there really wasn't a consumer option where you could go and connect, you know, back in, in 2010, 2011, right. Where you could connect with like-minded people um, and join you know, like a hangout or something like that, or you could, uh, you know, go and, and and meet with with people that are other activists in the area that you're interested in, or uh, people doing all kinds of different study groups or things like that. So we started out as more of a B2C platform, and we quickly learned how difficult it is to scale B2C video on the web and how costly it is. This is back before AWS and all that as well. Uh, so you can imagine. So we had a few pivots along the way, but we ended up squarely in the B2B space with a subscription you know, model. And then we, be, we became pioneers of the webinar category back before that term was really even used. And so we were doing the very typical, you know, talking heads, presentation, chat box, you know, format that we're uh, very used to. But we've been doing that for over 10 years. And since the new category virtual events has really, you know, taken shape, we were doing virtual events and hybrid events, you know, back in 2011, 2012, except no one was really calling it that, you know, the, the language has changed a little bit over the years, but really in the past year, year and a half, it's really been recognized as a new category. And we were in the right place at the right time to become a leader in this new category. Yeah. It's an overnight success after uh, 12 years, right? That's what they say. <laughs> People, you know, like, oh, it's so obvious now, but back over a decade ago, not so obvious, you know? That's true. And 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 we there there were a lot of bumps in the road along the way, obviously, like like everything, a lot of which we'll you know talk about today. And uh, the, the the word that we use or, or phrase that we use internally to describe it is it's always a non-linear path, right? <laughs> you know, one of the things that strikes me about um, your company and what you do, it's which I find a little bit fascinating, which is um, it's browser-based and not download. So, which probably from a technical standpoint, I imagine is much harder to do than a download. So I'm curious of, because your stuff runs in the cloud, right? It does. Your web browser, so you don't, no one has to, and, and anyone's been on something, like you end up going on, you're running like on time or late, and then you realize, oh my God, I have to download this thing. And, and yours isn't like that. So was there a, was that a really hard conversation decision or talk about that for a second? So at the inception of the company, that was one of the key decisions that was made because that original use case in the B2C space about you know people not using it at work formally, but people using it outside of work you know, to connect with these large meetings and webinars before they were called webinars. Um, you know, with, with with their different groups that they participate in, um, one of the key requirements there was that everyone needed to be able to access it from a web browser. Because downloading software, you know, you might be on one machine that you, that it doesn't work, you know, with that software. And, and so we wanted to maximize for accessibility. When we pivoted from B to C to B to B, that key assumption on the technology side actually stayed the same. Because now in a, in a marketing and demand generation context, when people are you know, really hosting webinars and virtual events so that they can engage their customer base, so that they can maximize the number of leads that they're able to generate you know, through the content experiences that they're hosting, uh, accessibility is also 
front and center where, where they want to maximize the show up rate, the number of people that actually attend and, and that, you know, want to participate, you know, in the discussion and, and, and provide the data, you know, which is where the value comes from. Uh, so it's actually kind of funny that even though our business model has changed and our go-to-market has changed and our target customer has changed, that one key product benefit has been consistent throughout. Mm. So I love that, you know, we have audience of COOs, operations, people, people geek out on systems. And one of the things we discussed about is how do you deal with growth and doing operations on the fly? Because as you grow, you're having to kind of build it as you go. So talk about growth and then maybe some key points along the journey that where you had to put in certain operations or systems. Sure. It's so, so, so for us, the story around COVID is, is really interesting where, you know, our, our entire category, not just our, our company, but all of the other, you know, great companies um, in our space. When, when March, 2020 came around and all of a sudden you, you remember, if you look back to those first couple of days where we all started to have those conversations with each other, like, Oh, I think this is a serious thing. Right. And then, and then a, a day later, seemingly it was like, Oh, I think we need to close our office, right? And then another day later and everything was closed. I, I remember that week where within a 72 hour period, you know, the world suddenly changed, right? So uh, during that period, you know, our world also very much changed where uh, the demand curve for our category of software increased by about 2000% overnight. So it was nuts, right? Because that, that's, that's a story that you, that you hear about when you when you're in, in college and you're studying macroeconomics and you know you're thinking about all, all that aggregate demand and everything, but then when it actually happens to you, you're like, oh wow, I, I never thought that this was going to happen. So you know, like others in our space and a lot of you know e-commerce, right, and other um, I think they call them like the COVID stocks, right, that that have have done you know fabulously well in the past eighteen months. Um, we all of a sudden found ourselves in a position where we had more in, inbound inquiries, you know, coming in through all channels. And there was, there was one point where I was getting over 3000 emails a day, me, myself personally, you know, as, as the COO of the company, our sales inbox was getting multiples, you know, more of that. Uh, so we were, we were getting that my phone was ringing off the hook. I don't even know how people were getting my phone number, but we had a moment where, uh, customers and prospects were in panic mode. They were they were panic buying because their events were being canceled, were being shut down, you know, by CDC guidelines. They had to figure out, you know, because their businesses depended on it. They needed, you know, to engage with their customers so that they could keep the lights on, right? And 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 they didn't have any other option but to turn to virtual technology. So, you know, since then, now that the dust has settled a bit and things have, have entered this, this phase of new, new normal, we've been able to now reflect on it and look back on it. But in that moment when that was all happening, we had to very quickly respond to it. And it was on one side of the coin, you know, it was, it was, it was a, a once in a lifetime business opportunity. But on the other side of the coin, we weren't even thinking about that at the time because literally we had people calling us in tears because their life had just been turned upside down and they didn't know what to do. And they said, you need to help us. And so we, we just, we, we were people, you know, trying to help other people 
And it just, 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 it, it became crazy. You know, you mentioned the word prioritization. That's all it was. We just had essentially a list and, and things were moving up and down the list. And it was like, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to hire these people. We need to establish this process that, you know, we've never had the need for before. And, you know, we we use agile when it comes to software development and technology. Um, We we had to apply those same uh, same principles to operations in a new way, because there was no other way. And it was nuts, as you'd expect. (laughs) So let's break this down for a second. And from prioritization, because there's different categories I see of all this stuff is coming at you and you need to kind of like bucket it somewhere. And one of the first things you said is, customer service, right? I mean, you're getting 3000, you know, even if you spend a minute on each one, which is not even feasible, spending 3000 minutes a day on just email is not even possible. So, and then, you know, there's sales, there's product, there's hiring, and then there's just overall operations. So talk about customer service. What things did you actually have to do with the influx of sales emails and emails just to you and calls? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. So, so we, that was one of the things that we prioritized was, was customer service because we knew that, you know, the, the, the good news is that we already had a platform, right. And then the, it was, it was built, it was working, you know, we, we had to scale it in new ways to, to accommodate a much larger user base than ever before. But that's a, that's a whole separate conversation that a different work stream that we ran, but we knew that, you know, service, we knew that we, uh, people that were emailing and calling in, and tweeting and all, all that um, needed help. And they they were going and they were signing up for self-service plans and they were using it, but they needed more than just the technology. They needed someone to walk them through it. They needed someone to show them how to apply it to their business or their use case. Um, and in some cases, they just needed a partner, you know, to tell them that it was going to be okay, right? And, and that you know, uh, just 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 someone to to listen, and so we saw that customer experience as be. We always have, you know, our we we have a, a disposition where customer experience is a differentiator, you know, for us, and and we believe that um, that that's core, you know, to to our mission and and what we want to create. Uh, so so we prioritized building that team. So we we went hardcore into hiring mode with that. We had to really, you know, take advantage of some heuristics and some shortcuts, you know, because we didn't have time to run a six-week hiring process, you know, with, you know, candidates and, and put them through five rounds of interviews. You know, we had to hire people within a matter of days. So we developed a framework, you know, we developed a rubric. And we developed a process. We we kind of put together um, a SWAT team, you know, internally, cross-functionally, and said, here, you know, here's we, we always start in a Google Doc. Like we we love, you know, Google Docs and and all and 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 since you know COVID and and and, and now adapting to working virtually, which is another you know topic we can explore. Uh, we use Miro and some other tools, which we absolutely love. But but Google Docs is the one you know thing that's always stayed with us, where we'll go into a meeting, open up the document. And right at the beginning, you know, we'll start with, you know, what's the objective? What's what's the problem that we need to solve today? And, and how much time are we going to spend doing it? Who's here? Who, who are the roles? And, and, and what are their responsibilities? You know, so pretty basic project management stuff. And, you know, in, in this hiring case and interviewing case, we came up with 
a system that worked for us at that time. Is it the best system? Is it one that I would recommend to other people? Probably not outside of that situation, right? But we kind of had to throw out the rule book and rewrite it, you know, given where we were. It creates innovation. You know, it creates when you when you turn something on its head like that and you're forced to do things differently, you have different, I'm sure, realizations. So when you do have a five-week process, you'll still probably employ some of those, that methodology. A hundred percent. So we hired, you know, between 15 and 20 support people pretty quickly, you know, with, within a matter of, of days and weeks. And the other thing, you know, that, uh, that that's an important metric to look at, you know, now that it's 18 years later, I'd say over 80% of them are still with us. Hmm. So I'd call that a success. The process that we ran there worked, right? Because it worked both ways. You know, I think that the company, you know, got value out of the people and, and we ended up making pretty good decisions. You know, they're still with us. And, um, you know, I think on, on the other side of the coin for, for the people that we hired, they're, they're, they're happy, you know, with the company and the, and the employee experience we've been able to provide, which is completely different now, you know, all hundred percent remote and working from home. Uh, another thing that we had to completely pivot another, you know, thing we had to war game, another meeting with a Google doc that, you know, turned into a policy and something that was rolled out, um, but completely done on the fly. So I could see with a customer service, you're like, not, we, we just don't have the capacity right now. We need to hire whatever, 15 more people you get in a meeting, you, uh, kind of source the, what the objectives are and you create this framework for hiring. What's an example of something within the framework that, that you found was a breakthrough that allowed you to, in a very short condensed period of time, have success where they're still with you later. Sure. So we we had we we broke it down into just the 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 key foundations of you know the types of people we we thought ahead. We're like you know a year from now or a month from now if we make it through this because um, we didn't really know how much you know time it was going to take. Um, you know what does success look like for us? You know what will we look back on and we'll say yes we've hired a, a really great team. Um, so the the first one which is, you know, still with us now is really values alignment and making sure I, you know, I, I said that, um, you know, service customer experiences is, is critical to us doing the right thing, you know, honesty, integrity, these are all our core values. And so we hire for that first and it's really hard to get a sense of that, you know, in an interview process, you know, and so we had to develop proxies, you know, for it. Cause you can't just ask somebody, do you operate with integrity? Right. <laughs> Who's going to of- say no. Right. Right. Exactly. And so we, we, we deduced that and figured that out, you know, and, and so we said, okay, let's, let's try to come up with some questions that help us, you know, create a proxy answer for that and, and have people, you know, tell us stories or, or talk about situations they've been in. Um, you know, and, and so, so we really kind of rewrote our playbook for how we do interviews and how we hire for people, because we knew that rather than, you know, previously where we would have spent, you know, more of like four to six weeks interviewing a candidate and putting them through, you know, five or six people, we needed to condense that down to under a week, you know, where they're only, you know, rapid fire talking to a few people in a lot less time. Uh, so we rewrote our questions that that value alignment was one. Um, another one was looking for, for people that have 
you know, the stick to or the grit, you know, to see something through. So that was another, you know, characteristic that we really tried to select for quickly, again, by asking questions, hearing stories about, you know, people's projects and passions. And I think one of the heuristics that we, you know, really, uh, that we really took advantage of was we knew that very few unicorns would exist of people that had experience in our industry with our technology and that it would take way too much time to try to find people and recruit them you know that 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 came from our industry so we so we thought to ourselves you know if we if we bring on really passionate people smart people uh, people that you know can stand up projects and see them through. They have that stick to itiveness, and they're value aligned with us, and they're and they're good you know communicators and and things like that to enable them to excel in this you know customer facing capacity. Then odds are they're going to be pretty good, and we can teach them along the way, and it's going to work out. That was our theory, um, and so those you know were th- those were the elements of our framework. So what would be an example of a proxy question that you could ask as far as integrity, you know, kind of gain that part of the culture, which is integrity, honesty, what what would be an example? Sure. So I I think, you know, with integrity, that's more situational, you know, tell me, tell me about a situation where you've, uh, you know, been working on a project with someone, a lot, a lot of, you know, people come from school, they've done group projects or, you know, in a, in another job or something, you know, where, uh, where, where, where you, where you worked with someone who is being dishonest or, you know, when it comes to, you know, collaboration or, or ability to work with other people, you know, can, can you tell me about a boss, you know, that you've had that was not a good boss. Right. And I think you can, you can learn a lot about a person based on how they discuss that situation. If they are really bitter about it and they, you know, start to bad mouth that other person and, and, and talk about, you know, how horrible, you know, it was, woe is me uh, versus if there's someone who is more empathetic, you know, to a situation, um, you know, who's, who's more respectful looking back on it in hindsight and mature about it. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, content if you read between the lines. I think the other one that, um, you know, I, I really like to look at is what are people passionate about, you know, outside of, of work, outside of, you know, their, their day-to-day. If someone is, uh, you know, passionate about a sport or running or being a triathlete or something like that, uh, to us, that's really cool. If they're, uh, you know, a photographer or they love, you know, photo editing or they run a blog about food or, or whatever, you know, whatever that is, that to us is a really powerful signal that, oh, this person, you know, has a, a really, you know, keen passion about something. They've taught themselves how to do something and they've stuck with something, you know, for a while. Um, that's that's a signal that, you know, that, that they're going to be a good fit for a role that they have to come into where they also have to, you know, pick up a lot. They have to learn a lot very quickly. And we're asking them, you know, to go on a journey with us, you know, for hopefully multiple years. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I could see if someone's like, yeah, uh, Justin, I do Iron Man. You're like, okay, this guy is grit or, or women as grit. Um, exactly. So, so we get to the customer service. So you triage this. And you get these, you know, you, you focus on the hiring process. Now, the next step is, which I don't want to gloss over is you have to onboard these people, right? Like you said, okay, we found these people, they fit everything, but they're not trained on this stuff. So how do you effectively onboard now 15 or 20 people at once? 
And how do you do it 100% virtually when you've never worked virtually before? So we'll throw that in the mix. Exactly. It, exactly. So it, 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 be, it became a really difficult you know, problem to solve. And, and, and I would be lying if I told you that we knew what we were doing, right? I think we were making best guesses. Yeah. We were trying and uh, you know, replicating the successes and trying to you know, replace the failures with new approaches as quickly as we could. Um, you know, I think that we very much all had an all hands on deck mentality and the people on our team, you know, we're, we're very fortunate. We're, we're working around the clock, you know, to, to, to get that done because you can't shortcut, you know, the acquisition of knowledge about, about something. Some things just take time to develop that muscle memory. They take repetitions. And, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, answering, technical questions about how do I, you know, integrate my email marketing tool with my webinar service, for example, right? Um, you know, un unless you're an expert in email marketing tools and, and webinar services, it's going to take you at least, I, I would, bef before COVID, I would have said at least, you know, a couple months or at least a few weeks to learn it. But we saw people learn it in days, mm. you know, uh, because, because they had to, which I think uh, it's, it's, it's uh, again, another principle, you know, from school. Um, and I mentioned before kind of the idea of, of demand shifting so much, and it was just an academic thing. Another principle from school that was proven for me uh, was the concept in, you know, biology and economics of punctuated equilibrium, where things have a tendency to fill the space, you know, that they have where, uh, you know, if, if you have a group project in school that's due a month from now, you're not going to start working on it until two weeks yeah. from now, and you're going to work on it up until the deadline. And, and that's systems throughout, you know, the universe have a tendency to exhibit, you know, that structure. And, and, and that's exactly what we found that, you know, things that used to take us a month to do suddenly, you know, we were able to do in, in two days. And that really, made us question all of the assumptions that we had previously been making across our entire business. And so our whole approach to operations and people and training and onboarding is completely different now than it was before. What did you do, Justin, to shortcut that training process? You said before we were doing it in months because we had that time or weeks and then it became days. What were some things that worked for really training and onboarding very quickly? Yep. So I think like there's there's two kind of mantras that we use uh, quite a bit. One is walk or sorry, crawl, walk, run, right? And understanding that things should be sequential, that people learn best when you know they can take baby steps first. And one of the uh, one of the missteps that we made, you know, along the way was we threw some people into the deep end that weren't ready to swim in the deep end and they started drowning. Right. And, you know, metaphorically speaking, and, you know, when, and, and that was a, that was a mistake that we made and, and, and we, we observed what would that. be an example of deep end, like they're on with head of whatever product at Google and they're not exactly sure. I mean, what's, what's deep end look like? Not, not, not that bad fortunately. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> but, but, but in, in some, uh, you know, I'd say, I'd say less notable, you know, situations, <laughs> We, we definitely did have, have people, you know, in, in front of customers that didn't know how to answer questions. Yeah. You know, fortunately, some of their foundational training, um, you know, told them to, to own it, 
you know, yeah. and to, I'll get back to you. The team will get back to you and not make something up. Yeah, exactly. So, so fortunately we covered that base, but you yeah. know, still it's not, it's not a good look, you know, to, to not have the answer. Um, but fortunately though, our customers understood like, Hey, this is a kid that's been working here for three weeks. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and this is something they were in the same shoes that we were, where they weren't doing, you know, they, they were doing physical events, you know, and across industries, there were all these different use cases that I wasn't even aware of. They weren't, weren't even on, on my radar. One big one that comes to mind is financial advisors. You know, financial advisors for the past thousand years have been meeting face to face with their clients. And all of a sudden, and then they have seminars and they have trainings on, you know, how to save for college. And they would be in the back of the community library and have, you know, four families show up on a Tuesday evening. And, um, and all of a sudden, you know, they had to shift that to a webinar. And, and these are people that are experts in financial planning. They're not experts in webinar software, right? So they, they, they came on and, uh, and, 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 they're, and, they're, and they're new to it. And so our, our new support people were also, you know, new to it. And so there was definitely some element of learning together. And I'd say, thankfully, in 99.9% of cases, you know, everybody was very generous and very, um, you know, kind, you know, with, with, with each other on both sides of it. I could see the hiring, then we get to onboarding. Now we get to kind of the the product and the platform, because like you said, when you grow thousands of percent, then there's more users, there's more technical things. Did you, do you feel like you were uniquely positioned for that part? Like which part of the process did you feel was maybe the easiest? I'm not saying anyone was easy, but I don't know. I guess I feel from an outside perspective, and I may be totally wrong. I'm like, you know, big marker, Justin, they have an unfair advantage in this situation because there's probably some people who can, are used to in the mindset work from home. They have this platform already been built over a decade at this point. So, you know, obviously it's not ideal just to dump a bunch of users. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but um, how was that end aspect for you as far as the operations go? Uh, so looking back in hindsight, um, I feel great about it, you know, because it worked out well and we were able to successfully scale the platform. Mm -hmm. But trying to put myself back into my shoes at that time, it was incredibly stressful because we had not yet scaled the platform, right? We had, we had the platform, um, you know, it was, it was running smoothly. It was ready, you know, for scalability, but it had not yet been scaled, you know, to the to, to the point that it needed to be. And what we were learning, you know, as you often do when you start to scale something, is that some of the assumptions you made were right and you're good to go, but other assumptions you made were wrong and they need, you know, revision. And in our industries, uh, you know, the stakes are high because it's real-time communication. Our customers are on video in front of their customers and their prospects. So it is, it is as high stakes. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah if, if, if I mean, it only takes one small mishap to be someone like, forget this platform, like it's not working. Like just one, it could be a minute. Well, I, have, so I, have, I, have a I have a great story. I, I, I love this. I, have, I, haven't, I haven't told the story yet. Mm -hmm. So there was, and, and this was, if, if you remember what was happening, uh, back, you think back to, to April, 2020, when everyone was working from home and remember it was going to be two weeks, you know, at first, and then it wasn't, and, and we're all, you know, adjusting still. And, um, you know, I was, so I was in, I was in my bedroom 
because we're, we're, in, we're in the city, downtown Chicago. We have a small space. My wife and I have two girls. At that time, they were four and two. You know, school wasn't running. Daycare wasn't running. We're all at home. And the kids are, you know, yelling and running around. It was, it was, it was crazy. And now I say it with a smile on my face, but I wasn't smiling as much, you know, about it at the time. Um, so, um, so, so my wife was, is, is downstairs, you know, at, at the desk that we had set up and I needed more quiet. So I'm, I'm in our bedroom and I've got like a chair you know, rigged to the doorknob so a kid doesn't run it. <laughs> and, it's like uh, one of those traps. I can see him stepping on it, one of those loops, and it just pulls him to the ceiling. And you're like, "I'm sorry, yep. I can't help you." That's exactly. Hilarious. Yep. So, so, so I'm on, and and we're, and and you know, so also, I mean, to go back to to your other question about how we did that onboarding, right? Because this comes into it as well. We were we like we didn't have time to onboard in a test environment. You know, we were onboarding people with live customers in live events because we had to support our customers and train our people at the same time. So I was in events. Song was in events. Our, our entire team, software developers, marketing people, salespeople, product people, finance people, our entire team was in events supporting customers. It was really all hands on deck because it had to be. And there, there was, there was no other choice. And so we're, we're in there and, and we're doing it, you know, back to that idea of crawl, walk, run. Right. Um, and then the other, the other thought there is, is around, you know, tell someone how to do it, watch, you know, have them watch you do it and then ask them to do it. And, you know, in kind of a three-step, you know, process. And then there's even kind of a four-step where, you know, after they do it themselves a couple of times and you've seen it and you've given them feedback and they've applied that feedback, you know, then, then you say, okay, you're good to do it on your own. And, uh, you know, minus a couple of missteps of, 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 of letting them get to that, you know, step uh, too quickly and, uh, you know, and, and then having to pull back a little bit, you know, it, it mostly works. So I was in one of these events and because of the high profile nature of the event, we had some, this is, you know, kind of the, the story you were asking for previously when you, you mentioned kind of the, the product lead at Google or something, right? We had, we had a couple CEOs of some global hotel chains, you know, that were on and they were talking about the hospitality industry and, and how travel had completely stopped. So it was very high profile, you know, executive level. And so I was leading support you know, on, on, on this particular conference that was happening. And I had uh, three or four of our new team members who had been with us for under a month, you know, on there as well. And they were, I'd say maybe 50% up to speed at that point. So we all kind of had jobs that we divvied up ahead of time. We all knew, you know, who was doing what, who was responsible for, uh, you know, which guest presenter, you know, making sure that people were connected. And one of the things, if you remember uh, back in April, 2020, the internet was like going pretty crazy because, you know, AWS was bogged down. Zoom was bogged down, right? They were having all the scalability challenges because they, and, and Zoom is, you know, much larger than we are. They're a publicly traded, you know, company. And, uh, and, and they had, you know, millions and millions and millions of, of, of users, you know, every day. But still, they hadn't scaled their platform to the point that they needed to at that point. And so there were weird things that were happening. 
you know, on a daily basis. And uh, also the internet service providers too, with all of the streaming, you know, with people are on Netflix, they're on, yeah, exactly. They're on all, everything. I mean, all classrooms at that time are using online too. So Exactly. Yeah, we we had, you know, we we had our 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 four-year-old was on Zoom for for class, you know, for school on an iPad. My wife was on a call, you know, downstairs or in the evening, you know, she'd be on Netflix. And I, you know, I was on a call constantly. So we had at least three people, you know, streaming in our house. And we we're part of a development where there must have been 300 people streaming, right? So uh, the the bandwidth, you know, constraints were nuts. So we um we have dial-in built in as, as a service option for audio into our platform. And we use a very well-known, you know, dial-in provider, brand name, high quality, really awesome provider. I won't throw them under the bus uh, here, but they had an outage that day because, you know, they were dealing with the same scaling issues that, that we were, you know, dealing with. So one of these, the CEOs of a global brand name hotel chain is he was in Europe and he was dialed in via our dial-in service and the service went down. Mm-hmm. And we saw on our dashboard that, you know, it went to from green to red and we had this, oh shit moment, right? Where we're like, what do we do? And we had to think incredibly fast on our feet. And what we did was we, we had his phone number. So we were able to give him a phone call. You know, I <laughs> made an international phone call had him on my iPhone on speakerphone and and had had him daisy chained from speakerphone on my iPhone through the microphone on my laptop into the conference. And I don't think that anyone in the audience realized what had happened. Wow. I think that you know we were able to you know kind of pivot with grace under pressure and you know sneak one by and obviously the audio didn't sound perfect but we got it done. And it was just, it was a snap, you know, second decision. And I think it just came from the intuition of experience, right? The, the, the guys on our team that had been with the company for, you know, under a month, I don't think they would have thought about that, but it was that 10 years of experience in the business that allowed me, you know, to. You went through all these checkpoints of like, okay, we could do this, 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 this. Okay. This is maybe the ninth option, but like, that's our option right now. Exactly. And that's, I'm glad that you mentioned that, right? Because it's, you know, looking back on it, I think in operations, you know, one of the things that we hold near and dear to our hearts is always having a plan B. I think that, you know, with this, to your point, you know, plan B, C, D, and E went out the window very quickly in a lot of cases. And a lot of times we were on plans F or G if we were lucky, but we made it work. Yeah. Justin, this is awesome. I want to just be the first one to thank you. Um, this is one, uh, I don't know if anyone's watching the video, you can see my notes here. Um, this has been uh, a doozy. So I appreciate it. Everyone should check out more episodes of the podcast, check out Sweet Process, check out bigmarker.com. And uh, Justin, any other places online we should point people towards besides Big Marker? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. All right. Cool. On LinkedIn. Everyone check it out. Justin? Thanks. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? 
If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's